chapter 10. We'll be reading this morning verses 46 through the end of the chapter, Mark 10, beginning at verse 46. Um, We are in the midst of a series on the Gospel of Mark. We began it quite a while ago now um, and are slowly making our way through it. Mark is an action-packed gospel. In other words, there are a lot of events that take place uh, in uh, the gospel account. There are not long sections in which Jesus speaks. Uh, there are not long stories and events that happen. Mark is very quick, very distinct um, in his reporting uh, of that which uh, has been told him about the life of Jesus. So it's taken a while. Verse 46, let us hear then God's breathed out word to us this morning. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling to you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, Let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Father, once again we thank you for this holy word that you've given us. We thank you for these parables. We learn from them. We remember that we make the same mistakes so many times over and over and yet we come back to it. We pray out with Pastor Bob that he'll be able to speak clearly and, to, and truly the words that you gave him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you're taking notes, we have two main points this morning. First of all, the context in which this and these verses take place. And secondly, the condition, uh, focusing mainly upon the man Bartimaeus. So the context and the condition. And part of the context we have to understand is Jesus' words. We actually have to go back to verse 32 of Mark chapter 10 where we hear Jesus say again to his disciples, what's going to happen? I'm going to go to Jerusalem and at Jerusalem um, I'm going to be mistreated and I'm going to die. And on the third day I'm going to rise again But they do not understand these things yet. But that's the context. The context is they're traveling. And those words of Jesus set us in that context of where we're going and what is going on. The second thing to note is that there had been a request just prior to this of James and John. While they're walking, James and John would come with that request of who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Uh, we've 
talked about that in the very first message we had on Mark. That's where we were. We came to this section and looked at it because it, it tells us the importance. Jesus has just said, I'm going to go and die. I'm going to be mistreated. I'm going to die. The next thing we read is, and who gets to be the greatest in your kingdom? So out of touch with what's really taking place. But notice how that section ended. Verse 45. Last words before our text of this morning by Jesus. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to be a servant. What do we see him doing in this passage? He is being a servant. And what is he on the way to do but to give his life as a ransom for many? So that those words of Jesus set the context. But we can set that context a little bit more as we look at Jesus' travel. In 10 verse 1, we are told that they are going to be going to Jerusalem. He left there and went to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. That's where Jesus was. Okay, he was in that area where John the Baptist had ministered. He went there. Then, if you go down to verse 32 of chapter 10, we read, And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. Jesus walking ahead of them. So now they're, they're moving from this area where John had done his work. Jesus is now going on the road to Jerusalem. 10 verse 46, and they came to Jericho. So we're seeing travel, we're seeing Jesus move, and the reason we come to Jericho, the reason we come to this place, is it's on the road. It's on the way to Jerusalem. But this travel is more than just travel, right? This is the providence of God. Jesus knows Bartimaeus is there. Jesus has known Bartimaeus has been there all of Bartimaeus' life that he has spent there as a beggar. Jesus knew Bartimaeus before he was born. Jesus knew Bartimaeus before he had been knit together in his mother's womb. Jesus knew Bartimaeus. He knew his problem. He knew his condition. He knew his soul. He knew his faith. And in the context of the passage, we can't just, oh, there's a blind man here. Didn't think I would get there. this. Jesus knew all this. There is purpose, there is intent in where Jesus is going and why Jesus is going here. The third thing is that Jesus is focused. Some of the passages, some of the Gospels tell us that, that at this point where Jesus begins this road, to, this way to Jerusalem, he, he had his face set like flint. In other words, he is focused on going to Jerusalem to suffer and die. He is going to Jerusalem not to be served, but to serve. He is going to Jerusalem to give his life as a ransom for many. And we catch part of that in the way in which Mark gives us this event. Look at verse 46. Tell me what you find unique. And they came to Jerusalem, period. 
And as he was leaving, excuse me, and they came to Jericho, period. And as he was leaving Jericho, what aren't we told? Anything that happened in Jericho. All Mark reports is he came in and he went out. Which is a rather interesting thing because Jericho is quite the town. Jericho is wealthy. Jericho is the center of, of a lot of trade. This, this becomes part of the major trade route. There is wealth. There's all sorts of stuff going on. There's all sorts of goods being brought in and exchanged. How much wouldn't there have been to call attention to? Oh, look at this market. It's got these goods. Look at this market. It's got these spices. Look at this market. It's got this clothing. Yet what we read is Jesus went in and Jesus went out. Why? Because he is focused. This is the city of palms. Jericho. Gives us the impression this might have been maybe some sort of oasis type place. This might be a place, short enough drive, eh, we can take a mini vacation here. Does any of that come in? He went in and he went out. No. Why? He's focused. We are told there were many elaborate and beautiful buildings in Jericho at this particular time. Is any of that mentioned? None of it. Why? He is focused. I came to give my life as a ransom for many. I am not going to be distracted by the finery of this world. I'm not going to be distracted by the wealth of this world. I'm not going to be dis distracted by the leisure of this world. I came for a purpose, and the purpose lies ahead of me just outside of the gate. It's a man called Bartimaeus, who I need to meet, who I need to deal with as I make my way to give my life as a ransom for many. It is in that context of a focused, purposeful Christ that we read Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. This is a man who was blind. We are given his name. Interesting because as you go through the, the Gospel of Mark and deal with the various miracles of Jesus, seldom, seldom is anyone named. There was a man who brought his little son. There's a woman with an issue of blood. There, there, there are people, but they're not given names. This one is named. His name is Bar Timaeus. Bar meaning son of. So he is simply known as the son of Timaeus. It's almost as if he's, in a sense, nameless. But he isn't nameless. His name is Bartimaeus. And he is blind. We don't know the reason why. We don't know if this is a blindness from birth. 
It's interesting that uh, later on when, when Jesus talks to him, and we'll come back to that, he says, Lord, help me to recover my sight. Well, to recover something means you had it at one time and now you're recovering it. So was he born with some sight and he lost it? Had he suffered an accident? Oh, that adds something to this, right? Because in the Jewish mind, if this man had been born with sight and then lost it, what is he? He's a sinner. He did something so despicable, so bad, that the Lord struck him with blindness. Now, he's an outcast for many reasons. Now, we don't know that for sure, but his own words would seem to indicate he had had it at one time and had lost it. But we do know his condition as well. He is a beggar. There's no social programs for folks like this. There's no mission houses for him to go to. There's no advocates. There's nobody teaching him Braille. There's nobody helping him get along. He is left in the miserable condition of having to beg. Having to beg. And he can't even see. One wonders how many times his hand was held out and somebody just threw a coin and he can't even see that. Is he left to skirmish in the dirt because he's heard a click? How many times have people stolen from him and he doesn't even know it because he can't see? He has to rely upon all of his other senses, but sight is not there. I know some of you in life are dealing with that struggle. You're, you're losing your sight. And it's not an easy thing. It's a hard thing to deal with. But here is a man who apparently lost it and has lost it for quite a while. He is now a beggar. Left to the care and goodwill of others. There might be a reason he's here, by the way. There might be a reason he is in Jericho because Jericho is the stopping point or the staying place of priests who are going to go on duty in Jerusalem because it lies within the day's journey. So they can do their Sabbath thing and obey their Sabbath laws. But we know from many encounters with Jesus and the priests and scribes and Pharisees and so on that these people are not being obedient to the law. So even though here he sits outside the gate of Jericho as priests would, would be on their way to serve in the temple, the great calling, one gets the feeling there aren't many coins coming out of their pockets to help Bartimaeus out. Not from when we read the entire context of the New Testament and Jesus' words about these religious leaders of the day. We know there are many widows, for example, who were not being taken care of. And most of these people are hands-off. Why? Because what did I tell you? Every physical problem was thought to be the person's individual sin. Jesus says that's not true. But that was the thought of the day. Oh, he's blind, he's a sinner. Oh, he's lame, he's a sinner. It's because he sinned. 
This is this man's condition. He's blind. And yet as we read this account in Mark chapter 10, we see anything but a blind man. In fact, this is the blind man who can see. This is the blind man who seems to be able to see a lot clearer than most of the people. He sees clearer than the the disciples even. He gets it. He gets it. He grasps it. Let me take you down through all the ways in which we see Bartimaeus, the blind man, who can really see. Oh, not see with his eyes in the physical sense, but he sees with his heart. He sees with his soul. He has spiritual sight. It's one of the reasons, by the way, we sang The Light of the World is Jesus, written by a blind woman who obviously could very well see the spiritual truth of who Jesus was. That's Bartimaeus. He is a blind man. But in the midst of a world and a society that could see physically, they were spiritually blind to Christ. Yet he sees. First of all, I take you to verse 47. We see his sight, his spiritual sight, in his words. What does he say? He's saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Three things. One, Jesus, the name given by the angel to Joseph, right? Why? Because what's he going to do? He's going to save his people from their sin. It's interesting, again, we're in Jericho, isn't it? What is Jesus' name in the Old Testament? If we go back to the Hebrew, we go back to the Old Testament, you take the New Testament name Jesus, put it into the Old Testament, what's the Old Testament name? Joshua. Hmm, where's Joshua's main claim to fame? What town? Jericho. What happens at Jericho? There is a woman named Rahab who, for all intents and purposes to the world, is an outcast, yet she sees the Lord in a way that is so clear that even God's people aren't seeing it. Even they are acting in disbelief, yet she, even before the fall of Jericho, sees. Oh, there is so much packed into this. Jesus Joshua. See, hear him cry out, Joshua, Joshua, save me. Joshua, the one who came, the army of the Lord, conquers Jericho and the walls fall down. Here is Bartimaeus outside of the gate, crying out, Joshua, the one who saves Jesus. But then he had son of David. Oh, his sight is so clear. Not only has he made a connection as to who Jesus is, he understands Old Testament prophecy. Folks say that when you suffer from some sort of problem and difficulty, such as whether it's hearing loss or, in this case, blindness, that that sometimes the other senses go on high alert. I'm not sure if that's always true, but Bartimaeus seems to have been listening pretty good. He knows. He sees. 
Who is this Jesus of Nazareth? This is the son of David. Why is that so important? It means he understands the lineage of David. He understands the prophecies that the Messiah is going to come, that the king is going to come, that the one who is going to be the anointed one, the one who is going to be the Christ, is going to be the one who is going to come from David. Nobody else is saying this. Nobody else is talking this way. Everybody else is disputing. Disparaging it. The, the rabbis, the, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they're going, oh, it's son of David. Yeah, right, we know the story. They're throwing all of this away. Yet this blind man who cannot see, sees who Jesus really is. This is the Messiah. But he sees him as the one he needs to look to for mercy. Who else do you turn to? Who else do you look to? Well, who's everybody else in society? They're not looking to Jesus. But Bartimaeus is. The blind man who sees that in Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the son of David, the king, is the one of mercy. Secondly, note his persistence. We see his faith. We see that he sees by his persistence. He's crying out. Tried to read the passage as Mark probably intended it to be read, that we'd understand. He's crying out. And people are going, shh. Quiet. Don't read so loud. Don't shout so loud. Keep it down. You're attracting attention to yourself. Obviously, that's exactly what he wanted to do. That was the point. But notice what happens. They rebuke him. Probably some snarly statements that are made about him. Why would he want to see you? You stink. You haven't combed your hair. You can't see anything. You don't bathe. You're poor. You don't want anything to do with you. Be quiet. But what do we read in the text? Yet he shouted all the more. In a few days, Peter is going to be somewhat identified with Jesus. Oh, no, not me. What is Bartimaeus doing? I'm going to yell it. Jesus, son of David. I want to be part of you. No shame. His persistence. Thirdly, note his, re his commitment. A number of years ago, I preached a whole sermon on this particular one, so better not do that this morning. Verse 50. Notice his commitment. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. So 48, cries out all the more, Son of David, have mercy. Jesus stops, call him. They call the blind man, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And what is his response? What does he do? He takes his cloak, 
and he throws it off. Now, where is he throwing off his cloak? He's throwing off his cloak at the side of the roadway. Are there a lot of people? Yes, it says a great crowd. What's the likelihood he's going to get his cloak back, do you think? What's the likelihood that his cloak's still going to be there? Why does he throw off his cloak? Why does he do that? He's got this thing that he wraps himself in. He's got this blanket that is his protection. It's his protection from the flies. The flies that want to land upon him. The flies that are going to lay eggs. The flies that are going to lay those eggs and those eggs are going to hatch. And there's going to be maggots in his sores. His blanket protects him from that disgust. His blanket shields him from the wind and the dust that blows. The blanket shields him from the heat. The blanket shields him and protects him from the cold. What does he do with his cloak? Throws it off. Why? I don't need it anymore. Why? Because he already believes what's going to happen. He already knows what's going to happen. He believes. He sees. He has faith. What is faith? It's seeing what you do not see. That's what faith is. Faith is believing what you cannot see. You talk about an example of a man who can believe, who has sight, who has faith. It's this man. He sees. He sees, I don't need this cloak anymore. He throws it off. He doesn't place it off. He doesn't put it in a spot where he's going to find it again. It's just throw it off. I don't need it anymore. Why? Because I'm coming to Jesus. I'm coming to Jesus. And I don't need my cloak anymore. I don't need my, that security anymore. I don't need that earthly thing to hang on to anymore. I am going to Jesus. We see his faith, his sight in his request. What does he ask? Lord, I want to see again. What an absurd thing to ask for, is it not? Who goes up to somebody and says, hey, I'm blind. What can I do for you? The other person responds, I'd like to see again. How's that going to happen? You only make the request if you believe. What an utter embarrassment this is for Bartimaeus if he doesn't truly believe. Why get Jesus' attention? Why waste all this time? Why throw away your cloak unless you believe that your request is already answered? What do we call that? Faith. And what do we note in verse 52? Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith. What is, Jesus, what is Jesus seeing when he sees Bartimaeus? Does he see a blind man? No. Jesus sees a man of faith. Well, we might say, what kind of faith? Mark dealt with that, right? In Mark chapter 4 with the parable of the, the sower. The fact that we have all these different kinds of faiths. 
What kind of faith does Bartimaeus have? Well, he has a faith that is pretty productive. He has a faith in the good soil. He has a faith that is a saving faith. That is a deeply rooted faith. I didn't think about this until much later after the sermon was done, but, but what a... What a what a blessing that the father gave to the son here, right? <laughs> right? All these people who can see and they're going to crucify him. Here's a blind man who understands. What an encouragement to Jesus to walk that road. There are blind people who really see and know. This is a man of faith. Jesus himself tells us that. But we also see his faith in his healing. Immediately, right? Verse 52, and immediately he recovered his faith, his sight. Why does he recover his sight? Because his faith has made him well. Didn't have to wash, there wasn't some ointment, there wasn't some surgery. His faith made him well. Jesus tells us that. This man can see. Yes, now he sees physically. But he also continued to see spiritually. Because what's the next thing we're told about him? Verse 52 as well. Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight. Boy, and he lived a nice life and he went back to family and everything else. What does it say Bartimaeus did? And he followed him along the way. This to me is probably the, one of the most interesting parts of this whole thing. Why? Because remember the man of the Gadarenes? Lord, let me follow you. And what did Jesus say? No, you go back to your family and you testify to them. What, is he, what does he do here? Bartimaeus, come on. Bartimaeus follows along. Luke 18, verse 43, which is the corresponding chapter in, in Luke, uh, tells us that the crowd followed as well, glorifying God. Matthew includes the fact that the people gave praise to God. Now I want you to look at the very next verse. Where are we in Mark chapter 11? What are we doing? Triumphal entry. What are the people doing in the triumphal entry? They're singing and praising God. The people are going ahead, praising. Do you remember what they're saying? Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the Son of David. We are told from early church history that Bartimaeus became one of the leaders of the church of Jerusalem. Many people believe that's why Mark identifies him. He identifies Bartimaeus because everybody knew who Bartimaeus was. They came to church on a Sunday, right? Elder Bartimaeus stands up. 
You know who Bartimaeus is? Yeah, Bartimaeus. He was the blind man that saw Jesus. He's the blind man who called out to Jesus. He's the man with sight who followed Jesus. He's the man who led the procession into Jerusalem. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the son of David. And Jesus said, call him. As you and I are gathered here this morning, he's calling us as well. He's calling us. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come. I'll make you whole. Come out of the world. Leave your cloaks. Throw them off. Come to me. Bartimaeus threw off his cloak. He came to Jesus. He was washed, he was cleansed, purified. And he follows Jesus. What's your cloak that's holding you back? is it you're hanging on to from this world that's keeping you from fully, fully. Sometimes we sing that hymn, right? All to Jesus I surrender, I surrender all. And we're thinking in our heads as we think, except for that and that and that and that and that. Yeah, I surrender. Yeah, except this and this and this. How long's our list? What's our exception clause to the all to Jesus I surrender? For Bartimaeus, there is no exemption clause. His one possession in life is cloak. Throws it off. Jesus today invites us. He calls us. Come. Today, we need to throw off our cloak and follow him. Amen? Amen.